Welcome to NoSpinHomilies.com. I invite you to join me to reflect upon the homilies of Father Dan. Father Dan will challenge us to open our heart, mind, and soul to the Word of God. Father Dan will draw upon sacred scripture along with art, literature, and the lives of the saints to help us grow in our love and knowledge of the scripture. In doing so, we can become the living Word of God in this world. Now it is my pleasure to present to you No Spin Homilies. Today's Gospel reading is taken from the second chapter of John's Gospel. It's the story of Jesus cleansing the temple. Now, it's shocking for Jesus to do such a thing. It seems so out of character for him. Notice how it begins. Jesus made a whip of cords and drove them all out of the temple area with the sheep and the oxen and spilled the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. And to those who sold doves, he said, Take these out of here and stop making my father's house a marketplace. Well, to understand the meaning as well as the power of this event, we have to really understand what the temple meant for the Jews of Jesus' time. The temple meant everything to them. Now, we, in our day and age, we tend to separate religion from the economy, from politics, from the culture. But in the ancient world, that wasn't so. Nothing was separated out. It was all gathered together. Yes, the temple was the religious center for the nation of Israel. But at the same time, the temple was the cultural, economic, and political epicenter for the country. Yes, it was the place where God dwelled, but also it was from which the nation was governed. And therefore, the temple was massively important place for the Israelite people. To give us some sense of this for us to appreciate it, it'd be like a combination of the Capitol building in Washington, D.C., along with Vatican, as well as Wall Street, all grouped in one building. That's how much the temple meant to the Israelites. To this day, the Wailing Wall, which is the last remnant of the temple, still is such a charged place. Now imagine the temple in all of its glory and grandeur, and now Jesus comes in. He walks in, he starts shouting at people, yelling at them, turning tables over, and now expelling the people, kicking them out of the temple area. Now imagine a person in this day and age storming into St. Peter's Basilica in Rome, and now shouting at people, screaming at them, and these people are running out, afraid of this man. And then this person begins destroying all the statues and the artwork within the basilica. Well, everyone would say this person's crazy. They, he should be arrested by the police. Scholars believe this was the act, above all, that sealed Jesus' fate, as he attacked the central symbolism of the nation of Israel. Now, what made matters even worse was what Jesus said after this. He said, destroy the temple and I will raise it in three days. Now stop and think. Destroy the temple. That's what the worst enemies of Israel always did. Think about the Assyrians and the Babylonians when they attacked and conquered the Israelites. The last thing that they did, they went up to Jerusalem, 
They looted and they destroyed the temple. Well, now Jesus says this terrible thing regarding the nation. See, now we see why Jesus' enemies were convinced that he must die. He's got to go away. And so what are we to make of this? And why does the church ask us to meditate upon this scripture passage as we celebrate the third Sunday of Lent? Well, the temple was the very dwelling place of God in this world. The temple was the place where heaven and earth united. Yet over time, corruption entered into the temple, into this sacred place. And so one of the expectations of the new Messiah was to cleanse the temple of all this corruption that has occurred throughout the centuries. One could say it was a big part of the job description of the new Messiah. Now, turn to St. Paul in his writings. St. Paul tells us something revolutionary. He tells us our bodies now are the new temple of the Holy Spirit. You see, Paul knew the history of the temple in Jerusalem and what it meant for the Jews. But now he tells us something remarkable, that our bodies are the new temple of the Holy Spirit. When Paul perceived that the presence of God is no longer in a physical structure of the temple in Jerusalem, instead, God's presence resides in our very bodies because we are followers of Jesus Christ. That's why Paul writes in Romans, he says, you should make your bodies living sacrifices. See, Paul knew the meaning of sacrificing animals in the temple. It meant bringing heaven and earth together. Now, as the smoke of that sacrificed animal rose up into the sky, it meant humanity was to be one with God, as it used to be before the fall of grace. And see, Paul knew all that, but now Paul tells us, he says, make your bodies the place where divinity and humanity come together. Now, bring that insight from St. Paul back into that image of Jesus cleansing the temple. That's the great starting point for a Lenten meditation for us all. If your body, yourself, is meant to be a temple, and it is, then every aspect of your life is meant to be turned over to the Lord, is meant to be dedicated to Jesus Christ, your heart, your mind, your soul, your will, your intellect. What if you allow Jesus, with that whip of cords, to enter your temple, your very self? What would happen? Better yet, what would Jesus drive out? I think that's our Lenten meditation over the last few weeks of Lent. Think of it as kind of a spring house cleaning, especially now that we have entered into March. It's like going into the garage and cleaning it out now that it's springtime. Now, many of us who live in Wisconsin, we know that during a Wisconsin winter, our garages become dirty and dusty, and so it needs a lot of work to clean it out. Well, Lent is that time for spring cleaning of our soul, a time to let Jesus loose in our temple, our very self. Now, the very mess that Jesus makes in the temple that we read about today in the gospel, in some ways, is the same mess he will make in ourself. What's the key? Whatever is in you that isn't dedicated to God, it needs to be turned over 
even chased out by Jesus Christ. Well, let's take it one more step. What might we use as a helpful guide in this process of spring cleaning of our soul? Well, I would suggest turn to the first reading, the timeless passage of the 20th chapter of the book of Genesis, dealing with the Ten Commandments. So let's walk through the commandments for our spring cleaning. Now, what I want to do because of time constraints, I just want to touch on a few of the commandments. Take the first commandment. It deals with the most basic sin. That's why it's most developed, the longest articulation. Well, what is the most basic sin? Idolatry, which means turning something less than God into God and then worshiping it. Now, granted, we live in the 21st century and people aren't making graven images like they did in the Old Testament, but it's still the most fundamental sin. Honor, power, money, whatever it may be, those are just a few things people could be worshiping as the center of their life. Now, to abide by the first commandment, it means we have to say, God is truly the Lord of my life, and my life is a witness to that. Take the second commandment. It has to do with speech about God. You know, it's a basic truth. How we speak powerfully shapes how we think and what we believe in. Speech shapes our thoughts. Therefore, speaking about God in a casual or even disrespectful way, worse yet, in a blasphemous way, is morally dangerous. It affects the way we think. How about the third commandment? How do we keep holy the Sabbath? See, this commandment is more relevant today than ever. You know, if you study the history of the world, the human race for centuries and centuries has known to worship God in many different religions, whether it's Islam, Judaism, Christianity. Today in the 21st century is the first time a significant part of humanity doesn't worship God. It's this terrible secularism that is growing in our country as well as throughout the world. It's soul killing. About three or four years ago, there was a Pew Research poll that was taken of all Catholics in the United States, and it found out that 75% of Catholics in the U.S. do not go to Sunday Mass on a regular basis. Take the fourth commandment, honor your father and your mother. Well, this commandment is about family integrity. Do people as family honor God together? If you talk to police, they will say the worst violent crimes happen within families, domestic violence. Some of the worst grudges occur in families. How about the seventh commandment, thou shalt not steal? Well, yes, we see that very easily in these large-scale corporate scandals. But take it down to a smaller scale. People that slander and gossip, Thomas Aquinas would say, they commit a sin against the seventh commandment because they are stealing the good reputation of that person. How about the eighth commandment? Don't bear false witness. Well, some people enjoy saying negative things about others, putting them down. How about the last two commandments, coveting? Well, what really is coveting? It's desiring. 
looking at what others have and being envious of it, whatever it may be. Keeping up with the Joneses, we say. Well, that is so prevalent in our day and age, but it is such a waste of time. Don't compare yourself with others. It always leads to a dead end. Instead, compare yourself to who you were six months ago, a year ago, two years ago. Are you making good progress in becoming the person that God created you to be? Friends, today we are given a great meditation for Lent. It's the image of Jesus coming into the temple and cleansing it of all of its corruption. Well, this is a chance for us to invite Jesus into our temple. Allow Jesus to cleanse our temple. Do some spring cleaning. And in doing so, we will always have the well-ordered soul. And may the grace and the peace of Jesus Christ rest upon you always.